Welcome back to uh, Top 25 Voter Pod with a couple of uh, Top 25 college basketball voters here in John Werner and Chad Conine. Gentlemen, good to see you guys again. Bryce, Chad. (laughs) So, guys, uh, John, you and I were at the Ferrell Center uh, for the men's game the other day. Of course, Chad was there later in the evening for the women. and we saw Jonathan Chamu Chachua go down with a really ugly mm. uh, knee injury. Um, obviously, that's a big loss for the Bears. So yeah. the question is, can they still challenge for a, a deep NCAA run without him? I mean, how do they make up for his absence? Well, it's obviously going to be more difficult now. Um, several guys are going to have to play more minutes, starting with Flo Famba. He probably played his best game of his career against Texas, 12 points, 11 rebounds, four blocks. Uh, he's going to have to play more. I I would think Jeremy Sohan, Kendall Brown. I mean, they're not big physical guys inside, but, but they, uh, you know, they're both six, eight, six, nine, and they can play. And I expect to see maybe some Matt Meyer at, four or five. I mean, he's tall. Uh, he's played there a little bit before when in a pinch. So I think all those guys are probably going to have to play some more minutes. Um, obviously just a huge loss with his, the energy he brings into that team and just the positivity. Um, but you know, Scott's dealt with injuries before and, uh, well, he's dealt with them all year. So they're, uh, I think they could still, end up having a really good season, but it, it makes it tougher for sure. Yeah, obviously he has dealt with injuries all season. That said, um, this is the season-ending variety. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's a big loss as well. Uh, might they strip a red shirt off of a guy and, and do that kind of uh, solution? Well, Zach Loveday might play some now. He's not a red shirt, but he hadn't played much. Right. <laughs> So yeah, he might play some. Yeah, you know, I think I think at this stage of the season um, and the kind of competition you're going to be playing the rest of the way, though, it's kind of hard to take a chance on a guy that hasn't played much, right? Right. You can't have somebody out there hurting you for minutes. At yeah. A time. Yeah, but I think you you roll him out in certain situations and see what he can can get. Right. And then right. and then maybe you know you extend the leash as you know time goes on, but. Uh, but yeah, they're going to need some bodies. So, you know, even if he can give them a couple minutes at a time and little stretches that that might help, you know, the other side of this is it is a guard driven game, you know, and, and Baylor's strength last year was how good it's guards were, were. And so, you know, you hate to lose a guy like that. And, and I think maybe the, one of the biggest challenges will be keeping Sohan and Brown and Meyer and whoever's filling in, you know, guarding the other teams for, out of foul trouble, but you still got a whole lot of guards that can do a whole lot of different things. And, you know, positionless players, uh, you know, that that's kind of the buzzword for a reason, I think, in college basketball these days. Yeah, well, I would help having L.J. Cryer back, too. Yeah, and I'm not so worried about him offensively. I mean, I think they'll, they'll get buckets. That wasn't really everyday John's uh, role. Um, I mean, he had a he had a good game offensively before that. Uh, what at K State, John? 
Um, yeah, he's really been improving in that area, though, too. Yeah, I, to me, the where he where you lose him the most is defensively. And, and oh yeah, he's kind of the, kind of the anchor of that defense. So uh, they'll have to figure some things out for sure, and they'll have to figure them out in a very tough environment. <laughs> Uh, in Lubbock, Texas, tomorrow night as we record the podcast. Uh, Baylor Tech uh, coming up tomorrow, Wednesday night. Um, could this game be a preview of, you know, Sweet 16, Elite Eight, you know, something deep in the tournament? What do you guys think? Oh, I, I definitely think so. Um yeah, it's that type of game. Um, it's going to be an, another incredible atmosphere out in Lubbock. I don't know if it's going to be uh, quite as heightened as when Texas came there. <laughs> That'd be hard to beat. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a big-time game, and it could determine who goes to Fort Worth for a regional. Uh, you know, a Tech sweep would really help them. A Baylor win in Lubbock would really help them. So, yeah, it's a big-time game. You know – if this game, if if North Carolina had been to the championship game in 2019 and lost in overtime and Duke had won the championship the next time around and and one had 21 wins and the other had 19, how mm. much hype would this game be getting? That's a good point. A lot, yeah. You know? And yeah. so uh, I, I think – and with the, with the way college athletics is moving and, and the way – Baylor's athletic department has been positioned lately. I mean, I think really and truly these two athletic programs may be about to come into their own and not have to be overshadowed by Texas and Oklahoma anymore. And uh, I think, I think there's a lot of reasons for Baylor and tech to develop into this brotherly type of rivalry that we've seen with other schools, particularly, you know, the, the horns and the Sooners kind of share for so long. Mm-hmm. I think the brotherly will go out the window the first time, you know, one of them wins on the other's home court or, you know, whatever. I mean, uh, it, well, it was, I, my point, though, is that, like, historically, Baylor and Texas Tech have both been the little brothers of Oklahoma and Texas. And as such, they've kind of discounted each other. It's kind of like, oh, well, we can beat Texas Tech, you know, or we can beat Baylor. They're not any good. And I think the attitude there kind of changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here's the thing. I think, uh, forget little brother to Oklahoma and Texas. This is a chance for Baylor and Texas tech to prove that they're not the little brother to Kansas. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, when you're talking about recent NCAA tournament history, uh, the Baylor bears are defending national champions. Texas Tech played the national championship game two years ago. They've kind of got better recent history than Kansas does. <laughs> and that's the blue blood, right? You know, right. right. Why, why can't Tech and Baylor be a blue blood? Now, the glass half full, half empty on that is that uh, the half empty on Kansas's side is why is the NCAA not punished them yet? <laughs> you know, mm. I mean, Oklahoma State can't go to the tournament this year, but Kansas can. That makes sense, you know. And then, but the, the glass half full. If you're Kansas, is like Jayhawks are probably going to win the conference again this year. Probably so. We've talked about that before. They certainly look like the favorites. Uh, let's flip the page to women's basketball. Uh, the Baylor women are on a four-game winning streak. 
Chad, nine out of ten, by the way. Two. Nine out of ten. That's a pretty good run. Um, especially coming off they had lost like two in a row right before that. So um well, so go ahead, Chad, I mean, do you feel like they're peaking at the right time? Yes. Um, and my article that'll be published tomorrow, my advance of the TCU game, I compared, you guys will love this. I compared uh, Baylor's season to a kid that was sick early in the semester and had to miss some class. And it's finally kind of getting caught up and starting to look like an A student again, you know, and probably so going to sick from COVID. I didn't want to say COVID, but you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know, but, 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 they are who we thought they could be with Melissa Smith and Sarah Andrews and Jordan Lewis and, and all of those really good pieces that they have. Um, and when they were 0 and 2 and played two road games and had to sit out for a week with COVID and everything, you thought, man, they're kind of facing a hole, but you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of season left. And at some point, you know, they're going to get going and, and they're going to be a lot harder to beat than they are right now. Well, we've reached that point of the season. And in particular, because after they played Kansas State last week and they had West Virginia, which was OK. And now they play TCU, TCU, Oklahoma State, none of which are very good, you know. And so there's it's the freight train is about to start going full steam ahead, you know. Hmm. You know, um, we all remember the way Kim Mulkey's teams won basketball games. And that was with really, really tough man-to-man defense. And generally speaking, inside-out offense uh, centered around extremely skilled, tall posts. You know, mm -hmm. the, uh, the Brittany Griners of the world, the Lauren Coxes, you know, Kalani Brown. Uh and to me, what I've seen from Nikki Collins' team is a little more creativity offensively uh, and probably not quite as good defensively as a lot of those Mulkey teams. They hung their hat on defense. I mean, that's how they – but I think they're certainly rounding into form defensively. And, um, I, you know, I think they can make a run. Yeah. When you mentioned defense, it's we haven't covered, you know, those last few multi teams and you watch opponents come in here and it's like, can we get a shot off? You know, I mean, that that was like you felt like if they ever got a decent looking shot, they were ahead of the game. That That's how good the defense was. Um, and yeah, that's not really what you see now, but there's maybe less of an intimidation factor for some for some reason. Um and it's hard to play really hard defense for 40 minutes with seven players. Yeah. You know, I think this team could do okay in the NCAA tournament just because mm -hmm. I think they have a little more balance, a little more inside-outside offensive balance. I think they could do all right. Well, and um, I, I don't know how much you guys have watched, but there are times when Melissa Smith makes baskets and you just go, there was no way they were going to stop that. Yeah, that's that's the the classic um, good defense, better offense kind of you know situation. You can guard a person perfectly sometimes, and they'll still score. And that's Nalissa right now. She's playing really great basketball. Uh, as we look at these Big Twelve men's and women's races, 
who do you guys feel like are the top coaches, the top candidates for coach of the year? I'll let you go first, Chad. Okay. Well, um, you know, I think the short answer is Jenny Baranchak on the women's side and Mark Adams on, on the men's side. Uh, o- Oklahoma is contending for the conference championship, which I don't think a lot of people foresaw even when big 12 play began. Um, you know, same thing with Texas Tech. I don't know that they're going to overtake take, uh, Kansas. I, I expect that they won't. But um, everybody wanted to talk about, you know, Chris Beard and the, the awesome team that he put together. And nobody really had much time to think about Mark Adams and Texas Tech and what they might do. But they've proven themselves, you know, through 25 games. Yeah, I think I'd agree with Chad. Uh, you know, you know, there were some ex- expectations for Tech, but not like real high expectations. And I think they've kind of, uh, you know, maybe overachieved a little bit. Maybe they don't see it that way, but uh, I think in the eyes of most people they have. Uh, I think he's done a great job with that team. And, uh, yeah, Jenny, uh, yeah, they've they've definitely uh, surprised a lot of people on the women's side. Yeah, and both of those coaches that you mentioned – following coaches who had built, you know, pretty sterling reputations at those schools in Chris Beard and, of course, Sherry Cole. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sherry Cole over a much longer period of time than Mm. Chris Beard did at Tech. Uh, But certainly um, it shows that, hey, you know, these programs aren't dead, you know, (laughs) just because these other coaches left. Um, And I think Oklahoma, honestly, was kind of in need, talking about the women, in Mm. need of a little bit of a kind of jolt of energy, a fresh face. um, And she's brought that. Yeah, it was hard to fathom that they weren't more competitive the last few years. And and honestly, there were a a lot of easy buckets to be had against Oklahoma. I felt like watching them play. And I'm like, just kind of like a little bit shocked by that. But, um, you know. Some, some people uh, uh, run the roost through spit and vinegar, and sometimes spit and vinegar runs out, right? Okay. Yes, it does. I, I, I don't know if I'm going to call reaching on that, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, all right. I'm actually uh, going to mix my metaphors here and call an audible uh, for this last question. I mean, I've used about eight different metaphors throughout this podcast, so I don't think anybody's going to fault you for right. mixing your metaphors. And I'm also switching sports oh. um, just because I want to and because I feel like anybody watching this podcast is probably a, a Central Texas sports fan, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, of course, um, you guys know that uh, Leroy Coleman at university passed away over the weekend. We got the news actually while we were at that Baylor men's basketball game. Uh, Chad wrote an excellent obituary on, on Leroy and um, just wanted to give y'all. Your column is really good too. I just read it a few minutes ago. Thank you. Uh, Just wanted to give y'all an opportunity maybe to uh, speak to what Leroy meant to Central Texas football, you personally, you know, I mean, uh, pretty, pretty stand up guy. Yeah. Uh, obviously I've known him for many years, uh, about the nicest coach you'd ever want to meet. Always made you feel welcome when you went over there, you call him on the phone. Uh, yeah. How you doing, John? I mean, you know, it's just like that with everybody. 
And uh, he was like that, you know, until the end, whether he was the head coach at university or an assistant at La Vega. And I always found it interesting that uh, even after, after his great run at university, he still wanted to coach. And uh, of course, Coach Hyde was happy to have him. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, yeah, just really just one of the all time just best coaches and best people, too. Yeah, I totally agree. I think he used, you know, breath of fresh air. I mean, he was just a really refreshing guy to, to see and get to talk to, you know, from time to time when, when, when you just saw him around town and when you were working on a story. John, I think you did a story maybe in 2020 about him, his 50th year of coaching. Mm-hmm. He had reached 50 years in coaching. And then, of course, uh, during his, I think his 51st or 52nd season this past fall when Waco SD inducted him in their athletic hall of fame. Uh, I was able to do that story and I used quotes from that story um, that I gathered for it uh, and actually didn't use in the story. I was able to use in, in the story that ran on Sunday and then Bryce used a, a couple of those, and they, but they all just really spoke to a lifetime of coaching because he wanted to do it. I mean, what, what do they say? Like, um, like if you, you know, have a job you love, you'll never work a day in your life. But I felt like Leroy almost kind of transcended that, you know, <laughs> like, that was what he wanted to be doing. And it just so happened that they paid him. <laughs> right. Right. He'd be doing it anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. And here's the other thing that I really didn't get into much in my column. Um, but um, I mean, we uh, both Chad, your story and my column had had mentions of his success as a coach, but um, I think in the lens of hindsight, uh, what he did at university um, resonates even deeper because mm-hmm. if you look at what university has done since then, and and I, one of the reasons I really didn't put it in my column is I'm not trying to throw any of these other coaches who followed Leroy Coleman under the bus, but the fact is they've struggled mightily uh, to win games ever since Leroy Coleman left university. Uh in mm-hmm. terms of making the playoffs, they had obviously a long uh, losing streak there um, that they had to break, you know, f- like several seasons. Um, and there's a lot of factors that go into that. And it's not just like that these coaches aren't good coaches or anything like that. But to me, it really does. When you look back at what he accomplished at university um, with, you know, not always the most talent, obviously they had some talent, but it really, um, his record is, is pretty impressive. Uh, you know, the more, the, the further away we get from it. How many, how many, uh, multiple high school ISDs out there? Do you see more than one school, you know, getting it done mm. and Leroy, basically was there the same two decades or three decades that Johnny Tusa was at Waco high and they both got it done with the guys that were coming to their school. And that says a lot for both of them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, certainly will he'll be missed by so many and all of us included. And, um, you know, just continued prayers for his family. Um, you know, Obviously, they went into coaching, too, you know, and uh, yeah, it'll be, uh, I'm sure, a a moving, touching service uh, on Saturday. And so anyway, just uh, 
wanted to kind of close with that because I know he's been on all of our thoughts for sure. Oh, yeah. Cool. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for joining us. Sounds good. All right, man. All right, guys. Uh, Chad, I did want to ask you if you might be available to cover a game Friday night, high school. Yeah, the only thing is I'm not going to be able to go Saturday to the service um, because I'll be at TCU. Right. Unless we want to not go to TCU because it's Leroy's service. I'm going to Leroy's service, so – but well, what what you're saying? You want to go to Leroy Service? I want to go to the visitation on Friday night. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that starts at five. Does it start at five? If it starts at five, I can do it. Yeah, I can do it. The, the times you gave me were five to seven on the visitation. And eleven o'clock Saturday on the um, yeah okay so I can do that I'll just I'll just get there like at four thirty or something like that or four forty five the game would be uh La Vega girls at six thirty at Midway okay who are they playing Salado okay yeah I can do that even if you get there a little late uh I mean you'll miss some buckets because it'll probably be thirty to two La Vega but. Well, like like I said, I'll I'll get there early, you know, shake some hands and pay respects, and then head out about five forty-five. That's cool. Make it across town. What were you gonna say, Johnny? Yeah, Bryce. Uh, yeah, that Friday, uh, I'll cover that Baylor softball. Uh, Saturday, it's the same time as the men's basketball. So, yeah, I'll, I'll just be covering it Friday. I'll be covering. Baylor baseball opener. So okay, who do they got? Maryland. Oh, okay. So sounds good. All right, Johnny. I saw you like my tweet about uh, Baylor scheduling <laughs> Albany. Yeah, did you see that, Bryce? Baylor's playing Albany. I didn't even really know football that season that opener. was a team. I didn't know that was a football team. Uh, yeah. yeah, the Albany Lions. They're in a district with Hamlin. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I saw your joke. Maybe they can get Hamlin <laughs> next year. <laughs> oh, any any uh, chance to dig in the knife on Baylor? Chad's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. All right, yep. dudes. See y'all. See ya. Later.